Damn, son, where'd you find this? Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 31 of the Fly Route Podcast. I am your host, Anthony, a.k.a. Tony Playboy, a.k.a. Bully Bucks, a.k.a. Soft Tissue Issues. And I'm joined here by one of my best friends, Demarcus. You got any AKAs today? AKA, I'm bothered for a lot of reasons. Are you talking about your soft tissue injuries or Jamal Murray's? I'm talking about the league's soft tissue injuries, <laughs> and I'm also talking about Usher's Usher bucks. Because if Usher can have his own money, I should have my own money too. And Bully Bucks just rolls off the tongue way better. Ah, I get it now. I yeah, get it. you ain't hear Usher was making it rain on strippers with uh, fake Usher dollars. <laughs> I did not hear that. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I was good until you said made it rain on strippers with fake dollars. I'm like, every nigga's going to try to do this now. <laughs> uh, yeah, Bully I'm showing up to the strip club with the Bully Bucks. What's oh, up? Oh, man. Yeah, I'm really bothered by this now. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's get into it. All right, look. We have an exciting show for you all today. We are going to get into the story of Britt Reed who is Andy Reid's son, who created a tragic accident in February right before the Super Bowl. We are going to give you the run-pass option where we give you the hottest storylines of the week and let you know whether we are going to run with them or pass on them. We are going to get into another iteration of COVID and concussions covering the new NFL protocols, some new stadium protocols and a recent boycott that players have participated in and give you the fly route mock draft it's finally here yes indeed for the nfl draft that is in what like 13 days 12 days now a little little over a week and a half some change okay and last but not least a big ballers bouquet to mike evans the, 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 the fly route pod. The fly route pod. The fly route pod. The fly route pod. Welcome to the tea off. Ooh, 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 spill that tea, sis. This is how we like to start our show off. We like to spill some tea on our favorite athletes and the crazy situations they get themselves into. This week, however. We're going to focus on someone a little bit different. We're going to for- focus on former Kansas City Chiefs assistant, Britt Reed. He is the son of the head coach, Andy Reed. So not nepotism at all. But we want to talk about an accident that he created, basically single-handedly because he hit two parked cars, right before the Super Bowl. That was a while back now, almost two months. You might be wondering, why are we talking about this now? Because for some reason, it took over two months for this man to finally be charged for this accident. Now, look, he is charged with driving under the influence. It holds a sentence of one to seven years, and he has been given a $100,000 bond now that he has finally been charged. When the crash happened, he told police that he had only had, you know, two or three, and that's quote, drinks before he was involved in the accident. The crash occurred right before the Super Bowl. Basically, he is right by the Kansas City, all the Kansas City stuff. He's by Arrowhead, the office facilities, the training facilities. Basically, he is not like two miles from Arrowhead when this happens. It's a crash on I-435. If you are familiar with that area, he's going over 80 miles per hour. He basically gets on the on-ramp, hits one car. And then hits a second car. There are two cars on the side of the road here parked because someone's car broke down. They call their cousin for help. Their cousin comes through. They park right in front of them. Their cousin has their two children in the back of the car. Right? And he's trying to help his cousin whose car originally broke down on the side of the road. Like what anybody would do when they had some car issues. And Britt Reed, who is drunk comes up, hits the first car that is empty, the car that was disabled on the side of the road that could not, like, needed some, needed help. And then proceeds to, after hitting the first car, hit the second car 
with two children in it, a four-year-old and a five-year-old were in the car at the time when he hits the second car. Yeah, this is this is like terrible. It's extremely sad. Generally, we try to stay away from the super sad stuff, but this one is extremely important to me. What were you about to say? Well, I'm just I was gonna say two things. Yeah, it's sad, but but the second being we've been sitting on this for a minute, uh, waiting till he finally got charged. I think it took a little bit too long for people with a little bit more melanin, it would have happened that day. Mm-hmm. Or if not that day, the next business day. Mm-hmm. So that is concerning. I think it's important to point that out. I think who he is, who he's related to, the privileges and resources he has, though he may have been a qualified NFL coach, you can't tell me that having your dad be the head coach who's been super successful for 20 years in the league and you sharing a last name didn't help. Your dad is a hero in that city. He brought them a ring. Absolutely. Like, it helps if your dad is a hero in the city. Absolutely. Right. And so that's kind of concerning. But I mean, even then, growing up the, the son of an NFL head coach, NFL coaches are paid millions of dollars a year. So you're going to have a pretty privileged life to begin with already. And so we, I think, have to acknowledge to some extent the, the privilege that has played a role and I think allowing this to get to this point for him. Because I don't think, if I'm, if I'm right, this is not the first time Brits had a problem with substance abuse. So, no, you are not wrong. In fact, just like the Reed family in general has had a history of substance abuse, Britt Reed in particular, this is not his first DUI or DWI. This is actually his second, um, second but three traffic incidents, right? So in 2007, he actually was drunk at a grocery store and hit a bunch of carts with his car and was arrested for that. And during that time, he was actually out on bail for a road rage incident that happened earlier that year in which he got into it with another car on the road and brandished his gun. Like, put out the blicky and let niggas know what's going on. Look, I'm just saying he was he was out on bail for that charge I when get he it. had his DUI. I get it. I hope someone took his guns. <laughs> That's not very American of you, Demarcus. He has substance abuse issues. He That's has several not criminal very charges. American of you, Demarcus. He has several criminal charges. If I'm, if I'm right in this particular accident, even that he just got charged with that we're talking about in this tee off, wasn't one of the four year old girl? Wasn't she like badly injured? The five year old one. Five year old. Yes. Five-year-old girl was tragically injured in the crash. She has brain damage now. There is a GoFundMe page that is available. The aunt that created the GoFundMe page said that she will be in a wheelchair for the foreseeable future for about like a month there. She did not wake up at all. I'm like, thank God that she has woken up, that she is, I mean, not okay, because that's not the word I would use because it seems like she has brain damage that might affect her for the rest of her life. But she did not lose her life. So I thank God for that. But still, yes, this five-year-old suffered life-threatening injuries, was in critical condition for an extended period of time because of this crash. Luckily, the four-year-old had mild injuries, ended up being okay. The adult in the car was also fine. If you care, Britt Reed had uh, suffered blunt force trauma to his groin that required emergency surgery at the point in time of the accident. But he is fine now. So, okay. Speaking of, like, do they take away his guns? This is a Class D felony. So Felony, yes. Yes, uh, yes they, should, they should take away his guns. I agree. But all of this happens. It is extremely sad. He finally gets charged. They finally start releasing some information on the case. The legal limit, of course, is, I think, like, 0. 0.80, 0. 0.08, whatever it was. Probably way lower than he had. Uh, He blew a, it's 0.08. He blew a (laughs) 0.113. Yes. He, he, uh, so his blood alcohol level was a 0.113. And the reason why now this is interesting, besides the fact that that he's going to face criminal charges, he's going to face civil charges, is that the Kansas City Chiefs might actually end up being liable for civil charges in this, in this situation. That's the new thing that's kind of going on because he's so close to the practice facility. He is so close to the 
like Arrowhead. He all common sense says that he came from Arrowhead, got was drunk there, and then got into an accident. There are no bars or any places that he could have bought like bought alcohol like at a sit down place between Arrowhead and where he had his accident. Literally zero. If you're getting drunk at work, do you have a problem? I agree. I agree. And he told officers the night of the crash that he was coming from work. He made no other stops. And I have a hard time believing this was a team function. I, though the team could be held liable, I have a hard time believing it's a team function because if, for example, your dad's the head coach, your dad is well aware of your substance abuse issues, I don't know that dad would hold a team function with alcohol, allow son to drink, though he is an adult, get into a car and then drive off. It can't be a team function because the league has clear rules against the presence of alcohol in team facilities. So this sounds like he had a bottle of something in his bottom drawer in his Mm -hmm. office and was watching film, I guess, and had a little drink Mm -hmm. or a lot of drink and... Then left. This is days before the Super Bowl, too. Yes. This is, you know, late night at the off, or I don't know what time it was, but Mm -hmm. I'd have to look at the, I think you're right, the the theory sounds good to to verify it. I would have to actually look at the accident report. You think about this instead. The NFL can verify it. The Kansas City Chiefs can verify it. I assume that if this, if if they go towards this path, they will subpoena footage. Because remember this. There was a ton of what do I want to call them COVID protocols that required a ton of monitoring cameras um, like you wore a wristband that showed uh, your yeah. location. Remember how the Denver Broncos had no quarterback for a game because they was able to comb through a bunch of footage, find all of the Denver Broncos quarterbacks in one room with no mask on because of the NFL COVID protocols requiring advanced surveillance and monitoring of all of the facilities. You're right. You're right. Like this footage can be subpoenaed and technically should exist. No, listen, you're right. You you have proven your point. I'm kind of hot about this. Like that's crazy. It absolutely is. And the NFL has been silent about this issue. They said, where did he drink at? How did he get drunk before the NFL? And the Chiefs have offered no comment, no statement besides saying, we hope this little girl and everybody that's involved ends up being okay. I'll say the NFL has been oddly slow-footed on a lot of issues recently. This being one of many, including the Deshaun Watson case. There's other little things here and there that have come up. And they've done nothing. And people are like, well, it's the offseason. That's, that's BS. The NFL does a lot in the offseason. It's a year-round, 24-7, 365 business that makes billions of, dollar that j- billions of dollars that just signed a new TV deal for like $12 billion. I think they know, and I think they, they need to do something to protect, in their, in their own words, the shield. They need I, to do something. I think they're staying silent to protect the shield. And until a subpoena comes through, you know they are not going to let people know he was drinking at the facility and confirm it because they don't want to be on the hook for that civil litigation now if this goes to trial that will come out anyways i think it's better if the nfl is swift in their their judgment of brit their cop out for this particular situation is that they said he was away from the team indefinitely because like obviously he just got into a crash where he was drunk the super bowl happened the season ended and his contract was actually over after this season that just ended. So technically, it's kind of similar to Chad Wheeler, where we don't really have to do anything to you because at the end of the season, you became technically unemployed and no one extended your contract. No, for sure, but there's like, that's their cop out, is what I'm saying. That's the cop. It's again, it's BS because the even though they're not employed by the team anymore, they're still associated with the NFL and their brand. And I would think this is the same as true for even if you're a past player or something, the NFL should want to say or do something in cases like this to protect their brand. There's no reason why the NFL couldn't have gone ahead and put either Wheeler, who was already out of this contract, who were in the offseason on the commissioner's exempt list, because it means no one will sign him. It stops that from happening. Uh, I think Deshaun should go on there. I think they should have come down swiftly in condemning you know, this accident that Britt caused to happen and saying that 
They absolutely don't think this behavior is right. They'll do everything they can to cooperate, et cetera, et cetera. And they have not done that. I agree. And that was your tee off. Oh, 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 spit that tea, ooh, sis. Spit that tea, ooh. sis. Y'all, it's Tony Playboy. All right, let's get into the RPO segment, run pass option segment, where we give you the hottest storylines and sports news for the week and let you know whether we are going to run with them or pass on them. Take us away, Demarcus. So new hot story, more lawsuits, more court cases for NFL players. This particular case is someone we don't usually expect. It's LA Rams star Aaron Donald, who allegedly got into a bar fight. What's your take on this runner pass? All right. I'm going to take a knee here, right? (laughs) Uh, That wasn't an option. (laughs) i'm gonna take a knee here because this is super fresh so allegedly uh late last week in pittsburgh at a bar called the boom boom room i i i I think roddy rich would approve yeah he has a song i'm pretty sure called called boom 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 room Room. yes (laughs) apparently it's a popular name for establishments that like to serve drinks there's like one in las vegas there's one in uh i want to say like detroit there's one in pittsburgh so the Boom Boom Room is a popular name for, uh, there's also one in Atlanta, probably, Roddy Rich. I gotta probably check yeah. that out. Yeah, right? So popular name, apparently this person uh, bumps into Aaron Donald, and he alleges that Aaron Donald then turns around, starts beating his ass, and Aaron Donald's friends then jump him. And honestly, the pictures are pretty funny, and they shouldn't be funny, but this dude's eye is like the size of an orange he has like a sling on. He says like his arm is broken. His eye is all busted up. He did like the full like, you know, emotional manipulation tour as the his little, lawyer. Did he have a little neck thing on? <laughs> Yo, the neck thing was the only thing my man's was missing. Dead ass. <laughs> Dead ass. The neck thing was the only thing he was missing. And as his lawyer decided to start filing the charges uh, and prepare to sue. We, I'm going to take a knee here because I want some more information and some more facts. I want to see like some documents and hopefully this can become a future tee off. Maybe he did nothing wrong. Just maybe. I, I, look, inquiring minds want to know. Maybe his 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 posse, his crew, whatever you want to call it, did do some jumping, but maybe Aaron had nothing to do with it. That's certainly possible. Mm, they'll put you on the hook for that. So we're going to move up uh, opposite side of the country, go to New England where Patriots wide receiver Julian Edelman was recently cut. This is, of course, rumored to be in anticipation of his announcement of his retirement. But there's also speculation that he could play with the Bucks. And sixty-nine percent chance. And and there is, yeah, I think Gronk. That's a Gronk quote. <laughs> it is. <laughs> um, and there's also, of course, the question of if he does retire, is he a Hall of Famer today? Runner pass. Okay, I'm gonna pass on this. He has an amazing career. This dude was by far one of my favorite wide receivers to watch over the past decade. It's it's always really easy to have love for the super small dude that's hella tough and takes the hits and plays super hard. Like very similar how uh, how I personally feel about Cole Beasley. So uh, like I Julian Edelman's a player that I love. All the Hall of Fame talk, I get it because of his big games that he has had has elevated him in the minds of us all. Do I think he should be a hall of famer? Probably not. Will I be mad if he gets in? Definitely not. And by far the only good arguments that I have heard against Julian Edelman being a hall of famer is X other player that I think is better than him has not made it yet. I E the Heinz wards of the league. So pass. For now, because those arguments make sense, but a lot of love for Julian Edelman. Amazing career. Thank you. Thank you. So let's talk about some soft tissue injuries. We're going to talk about Jamal Murray. We're watching the Warriors game the other night. Steph Curry is going off from the beginning of the game. I think he dropped 53. He had 19 in the first quarter and passed Wilt for number one scoring yeah. all time in Warriors. Oh, great competitive game. Steph's going off, the et cetera. Murray comes down the court, makes a move, and you see it, the knee pops. What's your reaction to this? Run or pass? Run. Because I think this is a another casualty of the compressed NBA schedule with a quick turnaround. Now, if you did not know this already, Jamal Murray 
had sat about like three, maybe four games earlier with soreness in the same knee where he tore his ACL, his first game back against the Warriors. That is very important because it seems that we are rushing players back from injuries because of the compressed schedule, meaning the time that they miss is significantly more valuable. A good way to understand this is I'm pretty sure in the upcoming weeks here, the Miami Heat will play eight games in 11 days. Mm -hmm. There are about like five teams that will play five games in seven days, uh, multiple times like coming up here. It is a tragedy that the league has kind of mishandled this situation by first off staying hard on 72 games and then trying to make up the canceled games from the first half of the season into a doubly compressed second half of the season. Mm -hmm. And we are seeing a array of soft tissue injuries around the league that is hurting the product that the NBA can put on the floor. And the worst part about that is the NBA product isn't even at its prime until the playoffs. Most people don't watch the NBA every single day. There's just too many games simultaneously, all of that jazz. So the time that really matters, the TV money, all the, they devalue their product going forward. In fact, I have like a pretty good stat here from the Elias Sports Bureau. The 2021 All-Stars have missed 15% of games this season on pace to be the second highest rate in NBA history. The only season that saw a higher rate was 2014-2015. I think a part of it is not just the compressed season and that each game means more and they reschedule games in the second half, which by the way, here on the Fly Rap Podcast, we told you was going to be a problem months ago when the schedule, second half schedule came out. Mm -hmm. The second thing, though, is also the short turnaround time between the end of the playoffs and the bubble and the start of this season and trying to wrap up the playoffs before the Olympics to give players the option to play there. I think all of these things have slowly cut into this issue and made the product on the floor worse. I know personally as a fan of the league, I am upset that I would not get to see the Western Conference playoffs at full strength, and that's assuming that LeBron and AD come back at full strength. Mm-hmm. 100%. It, it, they, this, the compressed schedule has robbed us of the most important part of the season at its apex. Some of the best series in the past, in all of the NBA history, have been in the Western Conference in the past five years. Some of the best series in the last two years have exclusively been the Denver Nuggets. Yes. Yes. Because <laughs> exclusively been the Denver Nuggets. Jamal Murray going insane. Bubble Murray? Yeah. The mm-hmm. whole, whole thing. We were talking about how he got better this season, how he improved. They got new new role players alongside. I mean, the team's still going to be good. They're going to have a chance, the but they're not going to be able to go on the same kind of run if Murray is, Murray is there. Mm-hmm. 100% agree. Let's keep it in basketball for a bit. Alex Rodriguez, former baseball star, has purchased the Minnesota Timberwolves for approximately $1.5 billion. All right? A little two-parter. Do you think, A... A-Rod can save the miserable Timberwolves franchise from their losing ways. And B, do you think this allows a rapprochement between the Timberwolves and Kevin Garnett? Run and pass. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to run. So the first is, do I think he can save it? I don't know. I think it's interesting. It brings new energy to the team. Interestingly enough, I, if, I'm, from what, if reports are correct, A-Rod's portion was the smallest of anyone involved he just is the most famous person in the group that purchased the the team i think he's going to pay in more in the future but i believe currently it's the smallest point i think uh, lore has the biggest one he's like the former e-commerce executive for walmart Mm -hmm. um so that interesting tidbit but also secondly when anthony edwards their top draft pick from last year was asked about this he, he was very honest and said, basically, hey, I've heard of this. I, I don't really know much about this guy, a- A-Rod. I've heard of him before. I'm not really a baseball guy. And I forget how, how young he is. He is, I believe, 19. Mm-hmm. And so you got to think about it. Most of the time that he's been older, A-Rod's not been playing. Like A-Rod was injured and hurt in like 13, 14 and has been retired. 
So when when last time A Rod was good, two thousand nine or ten, in the, with the Yankees in, in the World Series, he was like uh, in middle school. <laughs> he has no idea who he is. It's just some old rich guy to him, which is crazy to think about. First off, he should think hashtag Texas Rangers who <laughs> helped to start paying Alex Rodriguez, and then the Yankees hopped on, and that's why he's able to buy a team today. But just crazy. I think it'll bring new energy. Yes, it does fix the KD situation. KG's problem was with the owner of the Timberwolves, how he treated uh, KG and the the coach of uh, Saunders before he uh, passed away, etc. So yes, it does repair it. The question is, what does do they do with the team, both the roster and in general? Because Minnesota's had a team for all of its history before the Timberwolves. It was the Lakers. Most people don't realize that. That's why they're named the Lakers. There's not really lakes in California. <laughs> um, there are in Minnesota. Uh, but does a team move? There's all these rumors all the time about teams moving to Seattle. And so um, it will be interesting to see what happens. I think new ownership throws that question back into the air. At least not for the first two years, because there's going to be a two-year transitionary period mm-hmm. where the old owner still owns the team. So we'll see that coming in the future. So let's move over to the NFL. Jadavian Clowney has signed a one-year $10 million contract with the Cleveland Browns. Now he gets to line up next to Miles Garrett. Does this make Cleveland the most dangerous pass rush in the NFL? Run or pass? I'm going to run. It certainly puts them in contention. There's some other really good defenses out there. There are some players who were hurt last year who will come back. Players who had COVID who were not exactly the same when they came back last year. So I think they're definitely in the contention. I would have them in my probably top five D-lines right now, just with those two bookends. And I think they're going to be very, very good going into next year. And I even, I mean, I think I've been higher on the Browns than you have been for a decent chunk. No, no, we did that. We did the whole predictions thing. I told you the Browns would be 10 and 6 at worst. You laughed. I made a fool out of you. It was a whole thing. I'm going to have to see some tape on that. But you say that every single, actually, I will provide tape. <laughs> I do say that, and you never come with it. So I'm going to keep saying it. And, but <laughs> I'm just, it's a bet. It's a bet. Uh-huh. Um, the, the main thing here is I wish the Cowboys had signed him because they had the money. They certainly need him and would have gone a lot, would have, the impact would have been felt a lot more in Dallas than as in Cleveland, who already had a good defense. That's all I'll say. Okay, facts. Last but not least, Teddy Bridgewater. It is reported that Sam Darnold has had no contact with Teddy Bridgewater at all since the trade and that Sam Darnold is going to be QB1 going forward. Do you think Teddy Bridgewater remains a Panther by the start of the NFL season? Run. I imagine I imagine not. I'm going I'm to run. I imagine not. I think the situation, anytime that happens to someone who believes they're an established starter and the team trades for someone, it's a clear indication they don't have faith in you. It's it's basically happening to Jimmy G right now in slow motion. He just don't know it yet. He'll know in about you know twelve or thirteen days when the draft happens. No, I think Kyle Shanahan told him that your oh, time they, they, like he told him we are drafting the quarterback. Your time is on the clock, but you're our guy for right now. But when they traded up, right now, yeah, like like I actually really like that. He was like, we are trading up. We are trading up to draft the quarterback. You are our guy for right now. But that is our guy for the future. He was really honest with Jimmy G, and I love that. That's fair. I'm not sure the Panthers owner, David Tepper, has done that. I believe everyone knows he wants to be super aggressive. He wants to win. The team is was, in all honest opinion, boring last year. Um, and so he wants to improve both the entertainment aspect of his team and their performance on the field. I don't know that they've had that conversation with Bridgewater. I wish him the best. I hope he at least still gets a starting job. I think he is a starting caliber quarterback. I, I don't know that he will, though, considering what his kind of story has been thus far. Where would you see him going if he got traded? If the Broncos don't sign a, or draft a quarterback, he should go to Denver. Okay, I like that. I like that. It's a, it's a, it's a Playboy affair. All right, we haven't done this one in a while. Let's get into another iteration of our COVID and concussion segment where we give you all of the major NFL COVID news that you need to be aware of. All right, DeMarcus, where do you want to start? 
I'm going to start with the drip, drip, drip of NFL new COVID protocols and kind of memos coming out of the league office. There's a lot of them. I'm going to give you a real quick summary, all of them. So first, we have the NFL announcing that they are going to highly encourage all the players to be vaccinated, that if they are vaccinated, they're going to have different protocols in team facilities. They've said, you know, our facilities were the safest place to be in the nation last year, that we think that the constant testing along with highly encouraging vaccination with players is going to really, really help that. I, if I'm correct, I believe they also uh, want staff. They want to require their staff to be vaccinated, which they, if, if I'm correct, legally speaking, they cannot do currently because it is just an emergency authorization for the vaccines. But once any of the COVID vaccines have been fully authorized by the FDA, then any employer will be able to mandate it in order for you to keep working there in person. And so that's an interesting requirement. I wonder if there'll be any lawsuits and pushback against that, because uh, the way the NFL setup is quite interesting. The NFL itself is actually a nonprofit organization, and the 32 teams are then that they help manage are for profit. I know it sounds crazy to say the NFL's a nonprofit, but that is the way it is. And so I wonder if there'll be lawsuits involved. And then if so, who is sued, the NFL or teams or both? And what happens on that kind of court ruling on if the staff and coaches have to be vaccinated? There's new memos about the offseason program for the NFL. They have said that they are going to make everything basically voluntary because of the ongoing pandemic to reduce risk. But with a few caveats, there's a June mini camp that's still going to be mandatory for like a week. And they're going to have it to be, if you do show up to have voluntary activities, everyone in the building has to be tested at least once a day. And even right now, during the non-official part of the voluntary program, which is weird, non-official voluntary thing, weird to say, even if you're in the building, let's say you're rehabbing right now, you got to be tested at least every other day. And so they've got a whole stream of protocols coming out in order to try to get things back to normal next year. And that's where we're at right now. What's your immediate reaction? What do you have to add to that, et cetera? So it's interesting that they are going to mandate staff and all personnel to have to be vaccinated, even though the players won't have to be. And the only reason why the players are exempt is because they can't get past the NFLPA. Right. That is like, that is like, they would like to do the same thing to the players, but they just do not have the power without getting a concession from the NFLPA. And they are already locking horns with the NFLPA a lot. So I think it's going to be very interesting. And I'm interested to see how players respond to the reduced contact tracing and reduce protocols and whether or not that makes them feel like they want to get the vaccine or not. However, we know right now that the players in the NFL PA are at odds. And most particularly, this has caused a boycott of all, all voluntary offseason activities, right? Uh, this has happened. The Seahawks have refused to participate in all these voluntary activities. So have the Broncos, the Lions, the Patriots, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, mm -hmm. the defending Super Bowl champions. All of them have cited the NFL's lack of having a real safety plan for players when it comes to in-person workouts and the refusal for the NFL to meet or negotiate when it comes to the NFL Players Association's demand for in-person safety. So they have put a hard line in the sand. And they are saying we are coming to anything that is voluntary, which I think is very interesting that whole teams have decided to um, make this choice together. Abstain together. Mm-hmm. Abstain together. Uh, I'm curious to see because, you know, last year we saw a lot of people trying to skirt around the rules like mm -hmm. the Tennessee Titans practicing at Montgomery Bell Academy. You know, Tom Brady hosting private workouts with his receivers. At the park. Yeah. So I'm interested to see because it seems like NFL players do want to practice and work together. They just aren't happy with the NFL's current plan to keep them safe, but are willing to then possibly work out on their own together. Weird, but I'm not against it. Uh, the NFLPA also put out a very interesting quote that the most the most strongly determining factor for whether or not a player meets the 53 man roster is whether or not they get hurt during uh, the preseason. That is it. That is the most strongly correlated variable whether or not you make the yeah. If you're team. on the fringe and you get hurt, you're done. Yeah. 
And it's very interesting. I'm curious to see if what will happen with all the undrafted free agents, will they feel like they can stay on this line and hold the line with all the other players? What happens to like the, you know, lower level players? Do they feel like they can hold this line? Because you remember the one time the NFL players had a boycott, they put in replacement players. Yeah, it's going to be tough for the lower end players because a lot of their contracts, all NFL contracts have a ton of incentives in it. And a big part of that is attending voluntary offseason workouts can can cost you a lot of money for not showing up. They can't find you because they're voluntary, but they can incentivize you in your contract to show up. And so I think it will be a big problem. Now, something else that has come up and is more of a localized thing right now, but I believe is going to be more widespread and even possibly national by the end of or by the start of the football season is the idea that you have to be vaccinated to go somewhere. So the, the Erie, Buffalo Bills. Yeah, the Erie County Commissioner, which is where Buffalo is is located, put out essentially a statement saying, "Hey, if you want to come to Bulls games or not Bulls, Bills games next season, you need to be vaccinated. Essentially, you got to show proof of vaccination when you show up with your ticket." Uh they have a specific app. They're mm-hmm. saying we will be at full capacity. Mhm. Only vaccinated players, uh, only vaccinated people will be allowed in. They will make, and I quote, no religious or medical exemptions as there is no God-given right to attend a football game. That is a quote. I and like it. They, and they're doing this through the Excelsior app, which I'd never heard of before. It's a New I York saw specific this. app. Yes. And apparently the New York uh, State Depart- uh, Department of Health uses mm-hmm. this app. And that is the app that they want to use to verify your vaccination. So, like, none of the, like, bootleg vaccine cards that people are talking about now. Like, it's an app. And Sansa's app, you will not be able to get in. They said even if you buy a ticket, you will be turned away at the door. Yeah, and some people are not too happy about that. For example, some of the Bills players, wives, etc. have spoken out about it. Uh, Bill Safety, Jordan Pryor, his wife, Rachel Bush, I think posted on Instagram about it. She said, quote, we have pregnant wives, wives who are breastfeeding, wives who have already had COVID, so it's dangerous to get vaccinated right now, etc. None of us feel comfortable being vaccinated at this time. None of us should be forced to do so in order to watch our husbands uh, go to work live. And, you know, this particular wife was a huge, she was a fixture at Bill's Games pre-pandemic. And my take on this is you, you have no right to watch him in person. There are live broadcasts of every single game. Like you can't see him before the game and immediately after anyways because of all the media obligations, the workout, no women in the locker room, etc. So what's the difference really from watching him at home with your kids? Look, the county commissioner was like, you also have no God-given right to get other people sick. You don't. He was He was really strong about this. He was like, people will backlash against it, but we don't need any other authorization because we own the stadium. Absolutely. They they do. That's their right to set the conditions. I think it's going to be interesting seeing the hodgepodge of patchwork policies again this coming up NFL season. We saw it last year where we had things like the Niners playing in Arizona for the last part of the season. We had even, you know, I mentioned before, Dak built like a half artificial turf field in his backyard to do to be able to work out with C.D. Lamb and Amari Cooper and so there are all these like patchwork things going on. We'll continue to give you updates on COVID and concussions. There's been a lot less concussions lately, a lot more COVID. But we hope, we hope that we have neither of either to report and that this segment goes away for a while. Man, you good? Please continue, Demarcus. I was done. Oh, okay. I w- <laughs> look, you look the way you worded that. It just kind of got me, bro. I'm not. <laughs> like, gonna I don't lie. even know what was funny. Uh, you were like, there has been a lot less concussions and a lot more COVID. That shit was funny, nigga. Like, I don't know. It's true. <laughs> it was. Don't look. All good jokes have some truth in it. All right. What's up, Playboy? All right, let's get into the fly route mock draft for the 2021 NFL season. We are going to give you the fly route for these picks. We're going to go 1 through 20. I will take the odds. DeMarcus will take the evens. All right. With no further ado, with the number one pick in the NFL draft, 
the Jacksonville Jaguars will take quarterback Trevor Lawrence, unsurprisingly. Yep, I don't think there's much to say here. This is the kind of expected pick, the draft. These first few picks have already kind of been decided, kind of nod, nod, wink, wink. Uh, we know it's going to be Trevor Lawrence. It's not like the old days in the past, you know, the, the Jacksonville Jaguars could have already signed into his contract. So we have to actually wait to draft night to make it official. Uh, but I'm talking because I'm on the clock and now I got a pick. I'm the Jets. They had a real rough season last year. They just traded Sam Darnold. I think it's very clear what they want to do. There's basic consensus. The Jets are going to take the quarterback out of BYU, Zach Wilson. All right. Now I have the first real pick in the draft, some would say. At number three, San Francisco. There's a lot of talk. Some people are saying they're going to take Mac Jones. Some people are saying they're going to take Justin Fields. But with the third pick in the NFL draft, the San Francisco 49ers will take Trey Lance from North Dakota State. That's interesting. That's interesting because you said the opposite thing when asked them who uh, they would take. And the fly route a few uh, weeks no, ago. The, look, the fly route is who I think is the best. Option. Oh, you're saying this is who you think they'll actually take. Mm -hmm. I okay. think they will actually take Trey Lance. I think Mac Jones is hopefully a smokescreen because I want to believe Shanahan is not that stupid. All right. I have the next pick. It's the Atlanta Falcons who are in an interesting position right now. They have Matt Ryan who they can't trade. They can't cut. He's 36. Probably has two to three good years left in him. What do I want to do? I'm getting a phone call. I'm getting ring, it's ring. a it's a Denver area call. Oh, it's John Elway. He wants to trade up in the draft. He wants my number four pick. John Elway, are you willing to trade? You want to you want, you want to do this? Yeah, yeah, I'll totally do this. All right, let's trade. You're All on right. the clock. All right. Now, not only did Demarcus say they would not trade this pick in the fly route last week. Whoa, whoa, uh, whoa. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. That's whoa. the fly route. <laughs> <laughs> now here we are again. If I am Denver. At number four, I will obviously take who I think is the second best quarterback prospect in the draft and ready to play now, Justin Fields, mm -hmm. which then also puts me at five for Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. I think Cincinnati, you got to protect Joe Burrow. You take the best offensive lineman in the draft who is going to protect him for a decade to come and you grab Panay Sewell. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, mm -hmm. That's what all the experts are saying. I am now on the clock with the Miami Dolphins who traded up there. They were tenant or they have a bunch of draft picks, basically. They got a lot of draft picks. And right now, I'm looking at my team. I say we did pretty solid last season between Tua and Fitzmagic. The cupboard's looking a little bare for what I have for Tua next season. There's some talent on the board here. I want to go offense. I want a skill position player. It's who do I want? Well, I want some kind of receiver, a pass catcher, mm. so to speak. So at number six, the Miami Dolphins select tight end from Florida, Kyle Pitts, who somehow fell to them. Well, yeah. But That's the right like, pick here. I feel like he might actually end up being drafted in that area, especially if Atlanta does trade out a four. Really good pass catcher. I don't think teams are going to carry the tight end. Mm -hmm. That's no. what the Dolphins need. The pass catching tight end is a extreme luxury now. The Travis Kelsey kind of Darren Waller, George Kittle, all those, all mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right, now you're right. on the clock. You're Detroit at, at number seven. If I'm Detroit at number seven, I just lost my best two receivers in Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay. I gotta restock that cupboard, and I take who I think is the best receiver receiver in the draft and grab Jamar Chase. Okay. Okay, now it's number nine, and no, I am number eight. Number eight. I'm sorry, you're. Uh, I'm. I'm on the clock. Number eight. You're getting a phone call. You're Carolina. Getting a phone call. You're gonna pick up. Hello. Hey, hey it's your boy Billy B. Hey, what's the, up, Bill? The greatest coach of all time. We going fishing? <laughs> we ain't. I ain't going fishing with you, but I'm I would like that too. pick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how about you go ahead and slide me that for probably two seconds that you're not going to do very well with? <laughs> you know, I don't think you draft that well anyway, so I'll take those picks. All right. New England moves up, and at the number eight spot, I think they take Mac Jones. He ends up being their quarterback of the future. If he has the processor everybody says he does with the weapons in New England and maybe getting a while to sit behind Cam, he becomes Bill 
Belichick's next Tom Brady. That's, I like that, that, uh, you know, Saban and Belichick are real close. Belichick was at the pro day for, for Alabama, so that makes sense. Now I'm finally on the clock again with the Atlanta Falcons pick, and I got a real dilemma still. I could have gone quarterback at number four. I obviously traded down, so I'm not trying to replace Matt Ryan, but maybe I want a wide receiver to help him out, to boost it while we still have Julio and Ridley. I think I need a pass catcher in that. And since I want the best pass catcher left, which is the guy from Alabama, a little skinny, but can he go over the middle and make a catch? Yes. It's obviously Jalen Waddle here. All right. You also got 10. The boys. This, this, this one, I don't know what they're going to do here in real life. And that scares the hell out of me. <laughs> in real life. Because yeah. <laughs> all the... All the rumors are like, the Cowboys want Kyle Pitts. Could they even trade up to get Kyle Pitts? And I'm like, please, Lord, no, don't do this. Our offense is great. We need help on the defensive side of the ball. So I have some a lot of holes to fill. I want to take the best talent available. I think particularly Cowboys need a cornerback. And there's two on the board. There's the cornerback, Patrick Sertain, who is kind of the runaway kind of mock draft pick for the Cowboys. There's a second pick that's a little bit more of a sleeper. He's not quite as physical, but it's probably the best man-to-man corner in the draft in J.C. Horn. Ooh, okay. Going J.C. Horn here for the Cowboys. Okay, at 11, I'm the Giants. I am elated that the Cowboys let Patrick Sertain from Bama slip down, and I will take him because I thought I would have to take J.C. Horn in this position. That's and okay. He'll get burned by a Cooper twice a year. Maybe if you're at home, because Cooper does not show up on the road. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Philly at 12. So this is this is interesting. Philly's in an interesting place as well. They have Jalen Hurts as their quarterback. They probably need some wide receiver help as well. But as we've seen, there's been a bit of a run on the best wide receivers in the draft, or the best receivers, I will say, in the draft thus far. So if I am the Eagles, I still want some help. I think, I think I still need cornerback help too. Secondary is not too hot. I need some defense. The receivers in the NFC East are getting real nasty, real nasty. So I'm going to take the next cornerback, Caleb Farley out of Virginia Tech. Mm, I really thought you would have taken Devonta Smith. Thought about receiver, it, yeah. But I think that they probably feel like they can find that versus in like the second round. Like you can find them in the second receiver. round, etc. It's hard to find good defensive help. Usually, the talented guys leave early. You don't find a lot of Richard Shermans. Okay, I'm with you. At number 13, I'm the L.A. Chargers. I have my quarterback of the future in Justin Herbert. I just got him the best center in the league from last year with Corey Lindsey. I fully solidify my offensive line and protect him going forward. And I will take Rashawn Slater from Northwestern. Okay, I like that pick. So I believe I'm on the clock next with the Minnesota Vikings. So they're in an interesting position as well this season um did decently well they just re-signed Kirk Cousins but kind of underperformed at the end of the season if I am the Vikings I have a lot of different holes to fill um and so I think I think what should happen is probably hmm this is tough this is actually where the draft gets tough so let me see, who are our top offensive linemen left right now? I, I, I need an offensive lineman. I want a nice maybe interior guy, maybe. You want to know what's on my draft board? Or what's you on, got it? What's on your big, I got the list here, but what's on your big board? My big board has the current offensive lineman that is top rated left as Elijah Vera Tucker from USC. Ah, the guard, Elijah Vera Tucker. You mm-hmm. know what? I think that's a good pick for the Vikings. Get a guard, help out. Uh, what's his name? Who's always hurt in the backfield? Dalvin uh, Cook. Dalvin Cook. Uh, get him some blockers. I take Elijah Vera Tucker. I think at this point in the draft, uh, there's a lot more offensive linemen coming off the board. There was a run on quarterbacks and then skill position. This is the offensive lineman parts of offensive linemen's part of the draft. Mm-hmm. 
All right. You got New England. Uh, well, now Carolina's pick at 15 that was New England. Right, right, right. Uh, so Carolina, Carolina, what to do? So, again, they just got Sam Darnold in the building, so that's fantastic for them. They could use a lot of help in different places as well. I wish they were higher. They for, traded down. <laughs> yeah, I wish they were higher. Um, if I am the Panthers, I think I... Mm, this is difficult. The receivers are gone. I can't get any help for for Darnold. I don't think it makes sense taking a running back in the first round. I don't need a quarterback. Devontae Smith is still on the board, isn't he? Is it? Oh, that's right. Devontae Smith is on the board. I'm taking Devontae Smith. I'm getting my guy some help. I'm making my team more exciting, more entertaining. I think it's, we're going to have a real good offense. We got Roby Anderson. We got Devontae Smith. We, we're going to be we're going to light it up next season. Okay. Uh, you got Arizona at 16. Uh, Arizona. I uh, want to say Arizona goes defense. I'm going to say Arizona goes linebacker at this point. They go defense. And they are going to add Micah Parsons out mm-hmm. of Penn State. He is the top rated linebacker on my board right now. And he's so. fallen to us. We need some help on that side of the ball for our young, our young kind of core that's forming. Let's get the defense some help and get Micah Parsons from Penn State. Okay. Okay. At this point, I want to say that it's Las Vegas at the 17th pick on the board. I will say that Vegas goes O-line, still trying to make up some deficits that they have there. And they take Christian Darasaw, offensive tackle from Virginia Tech. All right. Fantastic, fantastic. I believe the Miami Dolphins are on the clock once again um, at the 18th pick at 10 and 6. I have my my kind of offensive help for my, my pass catcher. So now I want to give Tua some time to be able to throw that ball. I wanted Vera Tucker, but he's already off the board. So I'm going to go with the other guard from the Ohio State, Wyatt Davis. Mm, okay. Okay. All right. Now I'm Washington with the 19th pick. I... Oof. I originally thought at this point in the draft, I would definitely go offensive guard. But this guy has just fell so hard that I feel like I got to take him now. I'm going to take Jeremiah Owusu Kamara, linebacker from Notre Dame. Like it. I like the pick. Uh, Next up, I am back on the clock with your Chicago Bears. Bears. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, the Bears could use some offensive help. What do you think they need, actually? what As a Bears fan, what do you think they need? Oh, uh, like just in general or based off where we're at in the draft right now? Well, both. In general, we need offensive line help. Like, we, we like if we can't protect Andy Dalton, we will repeat the sins of last season. And I'm not sure if that's a bad thing because I kind of want Ryan Pace to get fired. But as a Chicago Bears fan... I would tell you to probably take the best offensive lineman that is left on the board. Uh, I would probably say at this point, it's Tevin Jenkins or Landon Dickerson from Alabama. Tevin Jenkins went to OSU, Oklahoma State. And based on where they are in the draft, what do you think will actually happen if this run of quarterbacks, skill position, and then linemen happen? I think that's probably where they'll end up being. They'll still just pick the alignment that they need? Um, Unless somebody absurd falls or we try to trade up to get a quarterback, which I think is possible, right? Unless we try to mortgage the future to get a quarterback and trade up, we'll grab the best offensive guard at opposition unless somebody crazy falls to us. I feel like offensive line has been a consistent problem for us. It was in shambles last year. It got Nick Foles hurt. It honestly, they, hmm. Yeah, I would probably tell you to take Landon Dickerson from from Bama at that point. Dickerson, Dickerson. You said guard? Mm-hmm. Or is he a center? Mm-hmm. No, he's a center. I have him as an offensive guard. Oh, I have him as a I have him listed as a center on my my big board. He might be if if he is multi-positional, that is actually probably net better. 
then I'll take I'll take I'll take Landon Dickerson, who is rated as the top center on the board mm. right now, and at the very least, probably the fourth or fifth best guard. Probably still a good value pick. Allows us to probably move him around in the future. That is the Chicago Bears pick out of Alabama, Landon Dickerson. That's it for our NFL mock draft. Let us know how you feel about our picks here. Do we whiff on any picks? Are we terrible GMs? And would you fire us? We'll probably put out a little graphic with our draft picks on our social medias. So be on the lookout for it. Welcome to the final segment of our show, the heart of our show, Ballers Bouquets. Too often in the media, people only want to focus on the negative and salacious things athletes do but never want to give them their credit where credit is due. Here, we like to make a change. Absolutely, absolutely. And this week, we have someone who has never received a bouquet before, but has been mentioned on this podcast. In particular, they've been mentioned as a part of another player's tee-off. Very important player for a very good team, I might add. Super Bowl champion. Who you would maybe not expect these actions out of. I'm talking about... Tampa Bay Buccaneers Super Bowl champion wide receiver Mike Evans. So this past NFL season 2020 that just ended in February at the Super Bowl, uh, you know, the NFL has this Walter Payton Man of the Year award and every team nominates a guy for their off the field work over the course of the entire year. And out of all of those guys, I found that Mike Evans's story and his kind heart, open heart, big heart in giving to charity and his time has shown that he is fully deserving of this recognition. Even if he doesn't win the man, if he didn't win the man of the year award. I think it's really, really important to point out this work that people do. I don't think they do it for the recognition, but I want to give them some recognition. But he was at least nominated for the man of the year award. And after his nomination, he said, quote, I'm humbled to be considered for such a a prestigious award. Uh, There are so many NFL players and athletes who pay it for and are committed to making a difference in their communities. I am just proud to do my part. So Evans has donated $100,000 from the Mike Evans Foundation to support the United Way, Suncoast, and the Galveston, Texas area, which is his actual hometown. Uh, This was for relief efforts of the COVID-19 pandemic. Earlier this year as well, he participated in a Twitch aid stream, uh, which was a 12-hour-plus gaming event that raised over $2.7 million um, that went to fund college scholarships for students. Additionally, Evans helped the Bucks launch the Bucks Vote earlier this year, which is a nonpartisan public service campaign promoting voter registration and participation. He also developed a special relationship with Marco Solis, a 23-year-old patient at the Moffitt Cancer Center in Tampa, Florida, battling uh, metatastic col- colorectal cancer. That sounds terrible. Um, as well as a, he is the winner of the inaugural Buccaneers Girls in Football Scholarship over a video call. And so all these things happened throughout the 2020 uh, year and throughout the 2020 NFL season adding to the kind of long-standing tradition of NFL players helping out their communities throughout the season through many different acts, both as teams and as individuals. And despite not winning this award, he's going to get a bouquet, but he also got $40,000 to donate in his name to the charity of his choice. And it, you know, if he had won, I hope he wins in the future, he would get up to a quarter million to donate. So Mike Evans, keep it up. You're doing fantastic work down there in Florida. You're doing fantastic work work in Texas. You're reaching individuals. Keep doing it. I know you'll win that award someday. And if not, you'll make people's lives better in the meantime. That was this week's Ballers Bouquet. Let us know who you think should get next week's Ballers Bouquet on Twitter at the Fly Route Pod. Y'all is Tony Playboy. All right. That is it for episode 31 of the Fly Route Podcast. As always, we appreciate each and every single one of you for rocking with us, taking the time out of your day to listen to what we have to say. You all make this a lot more fun. We love hearing all of your listener-submitted ideas. 
please don't hesitate to reach out to us, send a DM, send a link, whatever. We'll track it down. We love being little investigators and no, shit. No, 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 no. I don't want to investigate. Post some fire under our YouTube videos so we can come have an argument with you. Oh, or, or fight the people <laughs> who want to post racist shit on our YouTube videos. That too. I'm loving that. <laughs> like, we appreciate you all. Please check out our content dropping on YouTube. The episodes start coming out and the clips around Saturday and Sunday because it takes forever to process us being a 4K video. But hey, you got to see a nigga looking nice. You know what it is. So thank you once again. We can't wait to see you all next Friday. We're out.